Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I know it was a fast opening today. We sang that song. It was only two minutes. I love that little version. Michael W. Smith It's probably the song I go to the most. This is how I fight my battles. But I'm convinced that there are some people that sing that song that don't understand the significance. What does that mean? It's when the world is pressing in and everything is stressing me out. Has anybody felt like the last couple years, there's a lot of things that press in from the outside, right? And sometimes it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all the different issues that are going on and the gamut is wide from politics to sickness to, to vaccines to just everything, social issues and all that is going on. But this is how we fight our battles. When we lift up the name of Jesus, it's not just a cliche. There's a lot of things that happen in the heavenlies, and I'm only going to be able to talk about just a couple of them today. I want you to understand the power that there is in worship. Let me back up a little bit. The power there is in a song. Hmm. How many know that's true? You don't even have to be a churchgoer to know there's a power in a song, right, everybody? Is there any music lovers in the house? Let me see the music lovers, all right? Let me talk to some of the music. I am a big music lover. I like all kinds of music. I've lived all over the country, so I've learned to like a lot of different kinds of music, all right? And uh, I'm very eclectic in my music style. And, and by the way, I collect old vinyl. Anybody old enough to remember vinyl? Come on. Click, snap, hey. You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on now. Some of the younger generation has no idea. Google it, but not right now, okay? Old vinyl. I collect it all. I love it. And uh, and I have a wide variety of what I like. I love me some. I know you're not supposed to say this in church, but I like some classic rock and roll. Where's my, come on, where's all my classic rock and rollers here? Whoa. I'm going to turn you guys off now because there's some old, good old Johnny Cash country music I could like. <laughs> Woo, come on now. Oh, look at here. See, you're worshiping and you didn't even know it. <laughs> come on now. I, I can get into some. I lived in Mississippi. I can get into some blues music now. What? Come on. Hang out on Bill Street at B.B. King's and I will feel like my dog and my wife and my kids all hate me by the time I'm done listening to some blues music, right? And on my, on my phone, I have a lot of playlists. They include workout music. i got a file for workout. And you know I have the Tiger is in there, so leave me alone, all right? I'm an 80s kid, so shut up, all right? Uh, and, 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 and I have a file for campfire. When I'm sitting at my campfire, I like a certain mood. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And, and I have a file for worship music. Because here's something I know about music. Music has power. It does. Music, watch this, music can change and music can set an atmosphere. How many know that's true, right? Come on, have you ever been to an MMA fight, right? When the MMA fighters, they come out, they don't come out to Frank Sinatra. How many know what I'm talking about, right? They come out to some song that says, I'm going to rip your face off, right? You know, huh? Because it sets a mood, it sets an atmosphere. If you've been to a sports game or a pep prep, pep rally you know there's certain music that they use in those kind of settings or if you want a romantic setting come on man let me hear the smooth deep voice of some Barry White you know what I'm talking about right that's as far as I'm going to go with that on a Sunday 
And funny story, my wife and I, right when communism fell, we had an opportunity to go to Russia and preach. And we were there in the very early 90s, uh, less than a year after communism. And so we went over there and, and preached. And, and this church that we were going to, they hadn't done church services, nothing like that. So there was this all-girls choir that had practiced a song that they were going to sing from the platform of this church before I got up and preached. And they had practiced to sing it in English so that it would bless the pastor from the United States that was coming. Now, let me just tell you, they did a great job singing, but they needed an interpreter because they had no idea what they were singing as the choir of girls got up right before I'm to preach. The music is going to set the atmosphere. Come on now. I need a good song if I'm going to preach right. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And they stood there and sang, Strangers in the Night, (laughs) with their hands lifted up. It was a sight to see, I'm telling you. No kidding. How many of you know our favorite music is usually what we listened to when we were teenagers, right? It's, it's what we like, and that's why music becomes so controversial in church. I can't believe they do that kind of music, and, and it just becomes controversial because the only good music is the music that we listen to between 13 years old and 19 years old. That's usually what happens. But how many you know music changes? right? In the 40s, it was the big band era, right? And then in the 50s, you're giving away your age. Some of you raised your hand. In the 50s was the bebop music. Come on, right? It was, uh, it was the birth of rock and roll. It was Elvis shaking his hips and all that, right? But then the music died. Drove my Chevy to the levee. That's how I know it died, right? The night the music died, and, and the 60s uh, killed the 50s rock and roll, and all of a sudden, we had flower power, We had songs about protest and politics. And in the 70s, this weird invention came along. Ha, 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 ha. Leisure suits. And John Travolta. I mean, you know, all right? Disco came along. And then in the 80s, we had Madonna prancing around the stage singing about being a material girl because the songs were about being happy and being free and having whatever you want. And then the 90s came around and the birth of Nirvana and all the music was desperate and dark and and serious and heavy. Then the 2000s came around and I don't even know what to call that music. I mean, I just, I don't know alternative it it, it was the the discovery of the youtube stars the single stars but that's not what i came to talk to you about i came to talk to you about worship and i want to talk to you for just a moment how music plays such an important part music is not worship but music can enhance and help us glorify god So I would love for our attitude about music when we come to church to change. I want us to be in church ready for the first beat of the music to enter into the presence of God. Come on, everybody. So I want to talk to you about three things about worship. It's just, I'm I'm breaking it down to help you remember. First of all, I want to talk to you about the vehicle of worship. So let's talk about the vehicle of worship. Music is a great vehicle to worship God. How many would agree? On my own, without music, I can say, God, you're great. God, you're powerful. But there's something about when somebody else pens the words and puts the music that I can sing, this is how I fight my battles. And something, am I right about it? Tell me. Something rises up 
Let me say it another way. Some things fall down while God is lifted up, right? Come on now. Psalms chapter 100. In fact, all of the Psalms are about songs. And, and, and Psalms 150 talks about worshiping the Lord with all the different instruments. I love Psalms 100. It says, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. In other words, if I'm going to get into the presence of God, i got to be thankful. I will enter into His courts with praise. In other words, the more I worship, the deeper I can get into the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to church. I want to come to the presence of God with the power of people in that presence of God. Come on now. Music helps lift Him up and honor Him. Worship is so important because it invokes, watch this, it invokes the power. I want you to hear this statement. When we worship, it invokes the power of God. It invokes the presence of God. And people talk to me about, oh, I just want more of God. Then if we learn to get in the vehicle of worship, come on. When we learn how to get in the vehicle of music in order to get into the presence of God. It's Paul and Silas, they're in prison, and they begin to worship Him with their voice, and they begin to sing songs that it invoked a heaven, a power of heaven to come in and shake the bar so that they can get out of what they were in. Now, with that in mind, let me give you a Bible verse that's going to seem totally out of left field. But if you've been here any length of time, I'll do my best to connect the dots. This verse by itself would not feel like it fits in to the subject of worship. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. How many know recently we've talked about the difference in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? But let me give you this verse out of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy can have some really strong language in it. But I want you to see this verse in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Here's what it says. I want you to notice this word. Fear the Lord your God. Serve Him only. And take your oaths in His name. You say, Ken, what in the world does that have to do with worship? <laughs> what does that have to do with the war of worship? Well, first of all, I want you to notice a couple things about this verse. This is an Old Testament verse. It's Old Covenant. And I want you to notice the language. The, the word fear here is demanding or is giving us a requirement. Doesn't that sound like Old Testament? It gives us a requirement. It gives us something to do. Now, I just want to see the hands of those. Don't be churchy on me. Just be honest. How many, when you read a verse like that, it actually invokes a little bit a level of anxiety or fear or, oh, I hope I can do that. Anybody at all? It says, fear the Lord. The problem is, is that we interpret the word fear from an Americanized ideal. When we see fear, we think of haunted houses. We think of boogeymen. We think of God sending thunder down from heaven that you better fear me. The Wizard of Oz voice, you know? Fear is cringeworthy. But in the Hebrew language, that's not what the word fear here means at all. It means great respect, but that's elementary. It also means to highly honor. Uh-oh, are you seeing the turn? To respect, to honor, to cherish, to hold in high esteem. Sounds like something else that we're talking about, right? It, it, it sounds like lifting up. Now, hold that verse there for just a so second, because in just a minute, we're going to see Jesus himself, New Covenant, quote this verse. So watch this. Jesus comes onto the scene, and you already know that in the Old Testament we have the Old Covenant of the Law. Jesus comes on the scene, opens the Bible to the New Covenant of Grace. 
And, and now, I want you to notice, here's the war of worship. Jesus came to the earth to battle, to be tempted, to feel, to stress about, to struggle with all the same things we do. So that he could be a God that was touched with the same feelings we have. Are you ever stressed? Anybody here ever stressed? And it, come on, be honest with me. Are you stressed right now? All right, okay. More stress happens during the holiday than any other time of the year. So Jesus came here to experience what we experience so that he could be touched with our feelings, the Bible says. So, so that in all ways he understands where we're coming from, all right? So here's where the war happens. The war happens in Jesus' life right after my life verse, right after my favorite part. Remember this? I recently preached it, and I preached it a lot. Jesus came down, and he was baptized. Remember this story? John, uh, Matthew chapter number 3. He gets baptized. When he's being baptized, he comes into the water. The heavens open up. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's a powerful verse, but I don't want to get sidetracked because I'm discovering so many things that happen right after that. Right after that a moment, the war takes place. And we're going to find through the model of Jesus that Jesus uses worship to win the war. Come on now. I would say this. I would say we are not even ready for war, no matter what the kind of war it is, until we understand, first of all, that we are loved by God, and second of all, that God is pleased with us despite whether we do anything or not. It is His love that qualifies us to even be ready for a war. You guys still with me? But I want you to notice how Jesus won the war. Check it out, Matthew chapter number 4. Here's what it says. Again, now this is right after he was baptized. So he goes out to the wilderness, fasted 40 days, for, uh, all that. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, the devil, if you bow down and worship me. There's the word worship, okay? Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. I like the exclamation mark. Because if your view of Jesus is this gentle little, he, he said it with an exclamation mark. All right, everybody, that makes me feel better about the way I preach. Okay, so now watch what he does. Watch this order or you'll miss it. For it is written. He's already battling. He's already warring. Uh, so you, you missed it. He's already warring because the first thing he did was go to the Word of God. The first thing he did the first thing we got to do in the battle, in the war that we're in, is we have to declare not what the world says about it, but what God's Word says about it. The first thing Jesus does is says, it is written. And then he quotes what is written. And he says, remember the verse I just read to you, Deuteronomy? Watch this. He is quoting Deuteronomy chapter number 6, the very verse I just read to you. Jesus, and In fact, if you have a commentary Bible, you look up Matthew chapter number 4, you look up this verse, and it'll point you all the way back to the verse I just read to you. Jesus is quoting the verse that said, Fear the Lord your God. But Jesus does a little switcheroo on us. And he says, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. 
Because first of all, he understands that the fear, how we interpret fear, is not the way we ought to interpret the word fear. So he, cha- he doesn't really change the word. He further clarifies because fear means to lift up. Fear means to cherish. Come on. So Jesus, come on, now being in grace, leaving the law behind, moves it from being a demand that we ought to be afraid of God to into grace that we get the opportunity to worship God and be in His presence. And there, my friends, he gives us a clue how we ought to war. He says he uses the written word and then he uses worship to battle against the enemy. And if we will sing songs that are songs that have to do with the written word, there is power in worship. Can I get a good amen, everybody, right? Now watch this. Watch this. Then watch what happens. This is what's powerful about this story. So he said it is written, written word, Worship, worship number two, the war of worship. Watch what happens. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. I don't know about you, but that should have demanded a lot bigger amen because it says that when we worship God, devils flee and angels attend. When we lift up the name of Jesus, come on, everybody. The moment he says that we should worship God, notice what happens. That's why I can tell you, take your problems and set them on a shelf. I'm not minimizing them. I'm not saying they're not important, but they are not more important than God. And if you keep the stress of life from helping you enter in and worship God, you will never get the benefits of knowing what it's like to have a devil leave you and angels attend you. I don't know about you, but in this life, I need the devils to leave me alone and I need the angels to come and minister to me am I right about it come on now so when we worship devils flee and angels show up I I love this and angels came and attended him they came and cared for him oh I love that so is it possible that when that we activate I've never preached on angels but is it possible that when we worship We are activating angels. Is it possible that when we worship, come on, devils flee. Look, you don't even have to be spiritual. You don't even have to know the Bible to know this is true. Tell me if this is not true. How many times have you come into church weighed down with the problems of the world and some preacher got up and dared you to give your hand clap to the Lord and dared you to sing the song and somehow in the atmosphere of worship it seemed as all those things that were weighing you down they looked smaller as God got bigger. Come on, tell me I'm right about that. Yes? Now watch that. When we read that with that understanding, it changes a lot of things. Check it out. Psalms chapter number 34, verse number 7. It says this. The angel of the Lord, not just any angel, the angel of the Lord, encamps around those, there's that word again, in the Hebrew, it's the same word we use for worship. So can we reread this? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who worship Him, and He delivers them. That's why the most important thing you can do when you're stressed out is YouTube some Hillsong, come on somebody, or whatever you like, come on, old Southern Gospel, whatever you got to do, as long as it lifts up the name of Jesus, all of a sudden those devils flee and angels show up. Come on, man. 
Now, here's how I got on this. When I got on this. Now, how many of you know, first of all, this? When you need to worship the most is when you feel like it the least. Is that right, anybody? I don't feel like it. I, I still think that's how Silas felt when Paul said, let's worship God. I don't want to. You ever just have an I don't want to? That's what the old timers used to preach about, that we have to offer up a sacrifice of praise. Huh? I grew up in church, we sang it every Sunday. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. Anybody? <laughs> Three people, and they're all my family. All right. <laughs> it's not a song, it's a scripture to bring a sacrifice. What it means is I'm going to sacrifice my feelings, I'm going to sacrifice my mood, I'm going to sacrifice my right to be stressed about what I'm stressed about, I'm going to sacrifice my thing and put it on a shelf so I can lift up the name of God. I'm studying Psalms chapter number 91 now because I'm going to start the year 2022. Last year, this year, I started with a prayer. This year, I'm going to start with a prayer. Psalms chapter number 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I'm going to go through that whole thing verse by verse for about three or four weeks. And there's this verse uh, in verse number 11 of, of that chapter. Uh, in fact, here's what it says, Psalms 91, 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways not just in your churchy ways not just in your spiritual ways but in all your ways I, I, oh, i'll teach this in january but when it says he commands his angels it's a military term and it means if if someone is commanded assigned to me it means they have to be willing to lay down their life because they're commanded to me it's what the whole movie Saving Private Ryan is about. He's been commanded to guard, to save Private Ryan, even if it means their own death. God is saying to the angels, I am commanding my angels to surround my creation. Oh my, come on now. When we worship, we are warring, and devils flee, and angels show up. I double-dog dare you to give it a whirl. I double-dog dare you to find a quiet place, crank up the music, turn out the lights, put your phone like under a rock somewhere and begin to worship Him. The first song, it might not feel like it. The second song might feel But I promise you, somewhere in your body, your little toe will start tapping. <laughs> and you will begin, because it's a promise of God, if I be lifted up, I will draw people close to myself. Okay, so that's the vehicle of worship. Watch this. We have a responsibility in worship too. So let me talk to you about the elements of worship. It's a rather lengthy portion of Scripture, but most of you know the story of Abraham bringing Isaac up the mountain, right? Okay, and, and, and we always preach it about Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Let's read that story completely different. Let's not make Isaac the center of attention. Let's make God center of attention and what Abraham does to worship God, the center of attention. Check it out. Genesis chapter number 22. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. It's kind of like us loading our car, okay? He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut, I want you to notice, when he cut enough wood. Mm -hmm. He cut enough wood for the burnt offering. Or he cut enough wood for the act of worship, okay? So he had to do something. He set out for the place God had told him about. 
On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, now I want you to watch the story shift right here. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. (laughs) I'd love to preach this, but I'm not. Okay, stay here with the, how many know when you're going to worship, I can't help it. How many know when you're going to worship the Lord, there are certain people, there are certain places, there are certain things there are certain donkeys you need to leave behind. How many know it? Or they're going to hinder your act of worship. That's why you got to sit by the right person in church. Just saying. All right. Just supposed to be a little relief there. Okay. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Watch this. We will worship and then we will be back. There's a, that's loaded with theology. But let me take you a little further. Okay. Do I have any more? Yeah. Abraham, watch what he took with him to go worship. Watch what he took with him. He took the wood that he had cut. He took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself, what did he do? He carried the fire. He brought fire with him. He wasn't planning on some secret fire starter up the mountain to light his fire. He brought the fire. Mm-hmm. Do you know how challenging it is to keep the fire burning? To get Oh, my goodness. All right, all right. And he himself, he carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. They went there to worship the Lord for the sake of time. You can read the rest on your own. Those are the three elements that we ought to bring into the presence of God to worship. Are you ready for this? Number one, you've got to bring the wood. Mm-hmm. Any campfire lovers here? Anybody like camp? I know Mark is like addicted. We, we, we need to start a small group, Deliverance from Campfires 101, all right? I, 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 get, I, I love campfires too. Since we moved on to our property, man, I, do, I had a campfire just two days ago sitting out there in the rain. Woo, this is wonderful, all right? I love campfires. Let me cut right to it. How many know, how, how many know the deader the wood... Come on, some of you are. So, come on, ha, clue in everybody else that didn't answer. The deader the wood, the better the fire. Oh, come on, you might be a preacher if you could preach on campfire. How many know what I'm saying? Wood is a picture of something that is dead. And if we're going to worship God, we got to bring something that is dead. If we don't bring dead wood, otherwise it's a tree, it's living, it's vibrant, it's still producing fruit. But there's a scripture that says, if I'm going to follow him, come on, I have to take up my own dead wood cross. Come on, everybody. The deader the wood, the better that we burn. Worship. When we come to God and worship, there has to be some elements of me that are dead to me. That's why I say, put your problems on the side. Die to your problem. Die to your stress. Die to your anxiety. Die to your fear. Bring some dead wood into the present. It doesn't mean that it's not important. If you have to pick it up afterwards, then pick it up afterwards. But for five minutes, for two songs, for one church service, die to that. Bring some campfire to the worship, to the altar, everybody, because the deader the wood. The more you die to self, the more you understand this thing about worship. The more, the less that you're in the picture, the more you understand why I'm singing songs to lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody. We become less so that he can become more. Are you getting that, everybody? That's what John the Baptist said. I got to die to myself so that he can become more in me. You want more of Jesus in 2022? Bring some wood to the worship. 
Number two is he brought the fire. I love this. I, I, I love, I want you to notice that he carried the wood. He wasn't dependent on the pastor. He wasn't dependent on a band. He wasn't dependent on the right video. He wasn't dependent on the right music station. He carried his own fire. Fire is our zeal. Fire is our passion. The Bible says never be lacking in zeal. Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 6, Paul tells Timothy, you stir, you fan your own flame, you carry your own fire. Don't wait for somebody else to say you got to worship the Lord. Don't wait for somebody else to stir you up. Come on, men and women of God, bring your own fire to the party. Be on fire for God. you got to come with some fire, everybody. you got to come with some zeal and some passion and enthusiasm and you're responsible for keeping that enthusiasm burning come on now you got to be responsible for the fire in the bible the holy spirit is often referred to as the fire as fire so the more fire you want the deader we have to become the more i have to remove myself the more god can fill himself inside of me come on everybody john the baptist said it i got to become less so that he can become more um let me say it another way can i say it my way if you're going to bake something (laughs) you got to have some fire Is anybody trying to bake anything? Come on. I want to bake a good marriage. I want to bake godly children. I want to bake a good legacy. I want to bake a great relationship with God. I want, I want, if I'm going to do that, come on, I have to have some fire. Right, everybody? Number three is he brought the knife. The knife, I asked God a lot about this. I said, what does that mean? What's the knife for? That just doesn't look like it ought to be in worship. But remember, he said, it is written, the word of God is a knife. It's a sword. It's not a sword like we know. It's like a dagger. But let me show you this. Here's what I felt like God revealed to me. The knife is for the things that are not dead yet. (laughs) Come on, everybody. Either you're in deep thought or I am boring you to death. The knife... For the, have you ever showed up in the presence of God and you're worshiping and all of a sudden you feel that inner still voice and all of a sudden you realize, uh-oh, <laughs> there, there's some things in me that aren't pleasing. The closer I get to God, the more it reflects, wait a minute, this is not godly. So i got to bring the knife. It's in my act of worship that I begin to say, God, you know what, take that thought from me. Take that unforgiveness from me. The closer I get to God, the more I realize there's some things in me that need to die. God, take that bitterness. God, take that defensiveness from me. God, take that envy from me. God, please, I just lay down jealousy right now. I'm in your presence, and there is no room for jealousy. There is no room for bitterness. God, forgive me of those things as I worship you. I am killing because the deader the wood, the brighter the fire. Have you ever noticed it? When you get in the presence of God, the old hymn writer said it right. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful grace. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Don't let the things of this world be bigger than your God. The war is in worship, right, everybody? Mm. See, when we worship, what happens is we're magnifying God and we're dying to self. Let me give you something real quick on this, and then I'll give you the last point. Remember in the Old Testament, 
in the Old Testament, they used in their acts of worship cattle. They used, they used cattle, they used sheep, they sacrificed as a part of worship. So watch this. Isn't it interesting that when the devil came against Job, the first thing that he killed was his cattle and his sheep? Do you know the first thing the devil's trying to kill in your life? It's your worship. Because when you worship, devils flee. <sighs> and angels attend. So the first thing he's trying to steal from you is because I'm too busy. I'm too stressed. I'm too anxious. I'm too whatever it is. The first thing. He's not trying to steal your Bible. He's trying to steal your worship. Come on, tell me I'm not right about this. Watch Moses show up into Pharaoh's court and says, let my people go. Finally, Pharaoh breaks down. He says, you can go and worship your God, but leave your cattle and your sheep behind. Ah, oh, come on. The devil is always trying to keep you from worship. He wants you to leave the elements of worship behind. He wants you to be in here making dates for your calendar this week on your lunch and your coffee calendar while everybody else is worshiping God. And you wonder why somebody got a breakthrough, but you still got a devil and there's no angels. Come on. When we worship Him, devils flee and angels show up. Come on, everybody. Don't leave your cat. Let me say one more thing. How many know the story of, of Jacob's ladder? Anybody ever heard of Jacob's ladder? It's found in Genesis 28. Just throw the verse up there for me. Remember when he laid down to sleep? He's there at Bethel to pray. He's there at Bethel to worship. And the Bible says he has a vision of angels ascending and angels descending. Anybody in Sunday school remember this? Angels ascending and angels descending. Here's a problem in modern day church. Every one of us want angels descending, but none of us are sending angels ascending I would say as we send angels up angels come back down in other words when we lift up our praise come on angels come back down demons flee and angels attend it's the war of worship everybody Woo! sorry calm down would you just calm down let me give you the last one the last number three is the victory that's in worship this one needs a whole sermon, but let me just give you the highlights. In 2 Chronicles 20, you can read this later. There's this guy uh, in, in 2 Chronicles by the name of Jehoshaphat. How many of you are glad your mother didn't name you that? <laughs> the Bible says in the opening of chapter number 20 of 2 Chronicles that a vast army was coming against Jehoshaphat, that he was sure to lose. Can I ask just a private question here? By a show of hands, how many have ever felt like or feel like right now there is a vast army, there's a lot of things coming at you? Anybody? Yeah, that's called life. We all experience it. And watch what he tells God. He's sure to have defeat. He's sure to have destruction. But in verse number 17, God tells him, you won't have to fight this battle because the war is in the worship. You don't have to go to fighting. You don't have to go to staying up all night. You don't have to go to stressing. All you got to do is go to singing. It's right in the Bible. Second, uh, Second Chronicles chapter number 20. Let me read a little bit of it to you and then I'm closing. Uh, uh, do I? Yeah, okay. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. This is after a whole bunch of cool stuff happened. And to praise him for his splendor and his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. They're going against this vast army. And God told him, I don't want you to fight. I want you to sing. What? 
as they began to sing, what's going to happen, God, when we say, are they going to fall over laughing at us? What's going to happen? As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how I fight my battles. Uh, This is how I do it. I honor God. I worship God. I sing about His splendor. I sing, come on, has God been good to you? Say amen. When we begin to praise Him, when we begin to sing songs, we don't have to feel it. Sometimes you have to act yourself into feeling. How many know I'm right about that? Sometimes I have to offer a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes I have to purposely set things aside. Sometimes I can't even conjure up my own praise so I can YouTube and let somebody else praise for me. And I begin to sing the words they're singing. And the things of this world grow strangely dim. Here's what I felt God put on my heart to tell you. Before you enter another calendar year, I want you to get ready to war. Don't get ready to war through Facebook. Don't get ready to war by who you vote for. Don't get ready to war by looking up your favorite Bible verses. Don't get ready to war by preparing how you're going to argue with somebody. The way you go to war is you get in a secret place and you begin to lift up the name of God and I tell you right now that devils will flee and angels will attend you. Come on and say a good amen. Matter of fact, while you're clapping, stand with me and let's give the Lord a good hand clap all over this place. Come on. Give Him your best applaud. Give Him your best praise. Come on, do it. Even if you don't feel like it. Give Him your best praise. Thank you, Jesus. 